Hi, everyone. Great to see you. Welcome along. Uh, cheers for the prayer, Boydy. Pray for the tech guys. Um, that's a prayer that's um, not been prayed down the centuries, I reckon, but it's been prayed increasingly by people from church over the last uh, couple of months. We used to pray, didn't we, historically, for God to raise up people to go to this place and that place, God to raise up people with gift in this area and that area. And now, please pray for the tech guys. Every week we have some wild, crackling drama that we can't explain. Matt and get one today. Um, and we need... Um, to keep that message out there, we need to we need our tech guys, our tech guys and our tech girls. So please uh, pray with us uh, for our tech guys. Please let that be one of your prayers. Genuinely, uh, pray for the tech guys. Uh, we are in week three uh, of ten, the way of faith, discussing the crucial, what we see as the crucial elements of the Christian faith. Uh, to remind you why we do church and why we want to see you back here uh, with us at some point. And this week we have reached. Week three, and we're looking at Jesus. Who is Jesus and what should we do with him? That is our topic for today. A bunch of questions that we might well have about Jesus. How is it, I think about this, how is it that a Middle Eastern guy, a guy from the Middle East about 2,000 years ago, has ended up as an essential element of, of my faith? What is that? How is that? How has that happened? How is that a thing? A guy from the Middle East. Have you not thought about that? And why does he need to die? Why is there this story of sacrifice? And where is he now? What is he now? And what do we do with him? How do we make sense of him? I think there's, there's three ways, I think, three main ways, um, certainly that the Western mind has processed this guy, Jesus. The first way, I think this is what we see, like broadly, the main way, is that we kind of ignore him, we overlook him. That would be the that would be the first kind of thing you would say. We kind of look at him and go something like, "He's a legendary, mythical sort of figure. Why should I?" You know, there's been other legendary, mythical figures. That's kind of how we look at it. We look back at the story and we go, "Yeah, it's been added to, and people got carried away, and that kind of stuff." Or we say the other thing we say, "He's just a good guy." So we look at it and we go, yeah, people got carried away as a mythical figure. Why should I bother? Or he's just a good guy. And we ignore him. When I say we, we, but we in the West, or we in the world, we ignore him. The second thing that we do with him, I think that we dip in and out. We dip in and out of who he is. We, we have a big problem with the idea that there's just one way. One of the things that Jesus says, that the Bible says, there's just one way to heaven. And we can't, we can't fathom that we can't process that but we see him as a good guy and we see some of the things that he says so we dip in and out of what he says i think people do that you know he said this that was good i agree with that forgive people that's got to be a good thing and we dip in and out of his teaching so we ignore him we dip in and out the, the other thing to do i think the, the last thing that we do is that we volk do you understand what that word means we get to a point we go i don't know if you ever stopped to think about this it's quite intense the story of Jesus. It's quite an intense story, certainly for the average sort of Western mind. Start flicking through Netflix to come across this story of Jesus and think about how would this would invest, how would this affect their lives. It's quite an intense thing. And often we look at what it involves 
loads of people come to Jesus, they process it like this, they see the story and they go, yeah, well, maybe he was a God and maybe he was a good guy and maybe he was, maybe I should take more interest. But you balk, you balk at it. It's like when you're flicking through um, the TV about 10 o'clock at night, you become something nice and gentle and you come across something that's going to mean you need to get really involved in it and you go, I'm going to watch your friends or something like that. People, I think we're a bit like that with Jesus. We get to him in the West and we sort of see what's involved and we go, nah, not for me. So those, keep, those, keep those three ways in mind. We ignore him, we dip in and out and we balk. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to try and make the case. I'm going to try and turn your head to think that we can't think any of those things about Jesus. We can't process him in that way. He doesn't want us to process him that way. He's not that kind of character. It, we either need to get to a point. Here's what I'm saying. Here's the gist. We either need to get to a point where we hate him because we look at him and we go, it's madness. Or we jump all in. We jump all in and we go all in deep. That's what I'm saying to you. So we're going to work our way through those three things. It should be a quick one. So stay with it. It should be a quick one. First thing we do is we ignore him. We look at it and we go, it's a long time ago. Um, you know, people people just, probably, you know, these stories probably get added to and added to. That's probably what happened. And Jesus probably did something quite good. Some people liked him. and But after that, people just got carried away. And the stories got more and more fabricated, more and more grandiose less and less believable and eventually we just looked we just saw through it that's probably what happened so here's what i want to say to you if that's your if that's your perspective um you look at these these books of the gospels and you say yeah people just got they can't all be true they're laced with miracles they're laced with fabricated stories here's here's what i would say to you all of the scholars now look at these the synoptics matthew mark and luke particularly Mark and Luke, we can date to within 20 or 30 years of when Jesus lived and died. 20 or 30 years. So the point is, in that 20 or 30 year period, just about everybody's still around. Just about everybody's still here. Just about everybody's still alive. And you can't, I guess this is point one, is why we should take him seriously, why we can't ignore him. You can't fabricate something when everybody is still around you, you can't do that and the way that the gospel writers wrote didn't leave room for you to think that there might be a myth they weren't writing these these stories down as myths they were writing them down as facts they were making them public documents they wrote them in such a way as to leave room for interrogation to invite interrogation almost so listen how luke wrote this is a public document it's widely circul circulated around at the time luke wrote like this Start of his book, many have undertaken to draw up an account of the things that have been fulfilled among us, just as they were handed down to us by those who from the first were eyewitnesses and servants of the word. With this in mind, since I myself have carefully investigated everything from the beginning, I too decided to write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus, so that you may know the certainty of the things you have been taught. He's not, he's not writing a document that we, that we might, he's not trying to get away with it. He's saying... I've investigated this, and, I'm, and the way that he writes it invites that critique, tells loads of stories, and invites people, you know, it shares loads of stories and says, we were all here, we all saw this, we all did this, within the lifetime of the people that were there. Paul, similarly, writing about 30 years after Jesus' death, wrote, death and resurrection, wrote this about it, for what, this is in Corinthians 15, for what I received, I passed on to you as of first importance, that Christ died for our sins, according to the scriptures, that he was buried, this was like a saying that would float around at this time. 
that was that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day according to the scriptures, and that he appeared to Cephas, and then to the twelve. After that, he appeared to more than five hundred of the brothers and sisters at the same time, most of whom are still living. Do you see the way that he's inviting? He's inviting people to investigate it. He's being provocative. He's saying this this happened, and there's five hundred of these people in this place, and they all saw it. Saw that it happened. You can't can't get away with writing about something such as this so such a grand claim as as jesus being raised from the dead as jesus being god you can't expect to write that and 20 years later people just people wouldn't challenge it if it wasn't true it's it's a bit like somebody writing now you look back what happened 20 years ago 9 11. it's a bit like somebody going over to america now writing a blog and saying something like yeah the fireman the fireman went up the east tower but none of them went up the West Tower, we know that. If it wasn't, if it wasn't true, you, 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 couldn't, you couldn't get away with it. You write something like that and your document would never get off the ground. Your piece would never get off the ground. Even if, even if in one of my little blogs that nobody reads, even if I, even if I I'm a bit bitter, even if, even if I wrote, wrote something like that, people would write in. They wouldn't let me away with it. There's no way I would get away with it. If it weren't true, you couldn't get away with it. That's what it is about the Gospels. They weren't fabricating stories. They weren't making stuff up about this man, Jesus. They were writing about something that they saw with their own eyes. Maybe that they couldn't even explain at times. Something amazing. Some, some guy going around healing people and you couldn't explain it. Some guy going around providing food miraculously and people couldn't explain it. Some guy calming storms. Some guy raising the dead. To the extent that Thousands and thousands of people just followed him around to see what he had to see. You can't ignore that. Second thing that we do is we say, and loads of people say this, and they're really happy with this. He's just a good man. He's a really good man, maybe even a great man, but he's a good man. And I'm going to look at him as a good man, and I'm going to glean some information from him as a good man. Uh, Tim Keller makes a point. When, 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 about, about people that think like this. He says, you've either got to assess Jesus as the most evil man that's ever lived, just pure evil or mad, or he's God. You can't hold him as a good man. You can't hold him in the bracket of a good man. You can't look at him like that, even for a second. Because thousands of people have gone to their death on the back of what he said. Thousands of people have changed their whole lives on the back of what he said. Thousands of people have dropped everything to do what he did. Thousands of people followed him to be crucified. He's either the most evil guy ever, the most deluded evil guy ever, or he's God. You can't just look at him as being good. Here's the thing about, here's the thing about self-identifying as God, to use a modern term. Pretty tricky to get any traction when you declare yourself a deity. It's quite a tough thing to get away with. And we see throughout history, people that have sort of set off down that path. Was it Mr. Koresh went down that path? I think that's his name. I might have got that slightly wrong. Different Caesars throughout the generations have sort of claimed to be God. Even now in the world, you can look around and find somebody that's claimed to be God. And yet, at some point in history, we either see them to be mad or deluded or evil as their supporters dissipate, but not, not with Jesus. We don't look at him and say he was mad. 
we don't look and see his supporters dissipating. Even thousands of years later, we see them growing. Think about this. Under mass persecution, huge persecution, outrageous persecution at the hands of the Romans, AD 70 after the fire. Churches hammered, and yet people in their thousands cling to this story that this man was more than just a man that he was God. People in their thousands. Think about this. The Jewish nation, the first people to adopt Christianity, Jesus' first followers, where the churches were all established as, as the Jews spread about in the diaspora. The Jewish nation turning, turning in having grown up with this idea that God is somebody whose name you can't even see. God is, God is somebody you can't even see or you'll just burst into flames. Having this sort of reverence for God, having, having all this and yet coming to a point where they will follow a man. Think about that. Think, think lastly about this, and I think most compellingly about this. Trying to prove that you're a God. Who knows you the best in the world? Who knows me the best in the world? The people that have got to live with me. You want to find out what I'm really like? Don't ask other people at church. Don't ask. Don't even ask my friends. Ask the people that have got to see me at home. Ask, and you know that yourself. Think about Jesus. Think about these 12 apostles, these 12 guys that went around with him that lived with him for three years and struggled like mad with the concept that he might be God. And yet, after his death, they were prepared to go to their death, certain that he was a God. This is Jesus' claim. He's God, not just a good guy. And this is the rub, I think, for us. He's either God, or is man. He's either God or he's the most evil thing that we've ever come across in the world. And if he's God, if he's God, if you get to that point, then you can't just dabble around with him. You've got you've to dive all in. If he's God and he came to earth, you've got to hang on every single word that he said. If he's God and he came to earth, you've got to investigate it for all it's worth. Everything matters. Everything counts. Everything's a game changer for you. But you can't ignore it. That's the first point. Whatever you do with him, you can't ignore him. Second thing, you can't dip in and out. You can't dip in and out. And, and we do dip in and out. And we love to dip in and out, don't we? Right across the board, from Christians uh, going to church all their lives to, to people picking up wisdom, we dip in and out. We look at what he says and we go, I really like that. That's really helpful. I find that really intriguing about Jesus. I'm going to adopt that as part of my way of doing things. And we do this a little bit because we're so uncomfortable these days with the idea of an exclusive claim over the way to God. Jesus comes and he says, I'm the way, truth and life. Nobody can come to the Father except through me. There's no other way to get to God. And you look at it now, maybe through Western eyes, and you go, really? How does, how does that work? How have we got this story of this Middle Eastern guy? How have I got this story of this Middle Eastern guy from 2,000 years ago who somehow is essential to, to me getting to know the big guy in heaven. How is, that, how is that even a thing? Why is there this weird sacrifice story? Surely God will overlook me not quite getting the Jesus thing. Surely he'll be willing and gracious and loving enough to, to see me and go, yeah, I'm going to overlook the fact that you can't figure out this guy from the Middle East who's pretty cool. Yeah. Why is he essential? Why does he matter? Why do we need him? 
Why do preachers like me talk about him as a bridge or a way to get there? Old Testament's really helpful. It's a long book, and everybody gets stuck at Leviticus, but it's incredibly helpful storyline. Even if, even if you just read an overview of it, even if you try and skim through it, even if you try and see what everybody's saying, it's hugely important, hugely significant. One of the things that it tells us is that God wants to dwell with man, desperate to dwell. It's what it's about right at the start. God created man and wants to walk with him. And one of the things that we see right throughout the narrative is just how hard that is. Just proves impossible for the humans right throughout the whole story. Just proves too difficult. And two reasons, I think. There's probably more reasons, but here's two reasons that I would identify. First one, we just get so entangled with the, the humans get so entangled with what's around them. Use that expression, sin, that's probably what we'd say. But they look around and they, get, they just go for the world in a way that contaminates them, makes them not holy, and means that they, they get so entangled with the world in a wrong way, it means they can't, they can't be around God. So they kind of, they might, they might, they might want it here in their heads, but physically they just, they just kind of can't do it. And the other way that, that, God's, pe- that God's people show us that they missed the mark with God is, is that they, they wanted it, they got to a point where they could do it physically, they could obey the law, they could, they could kind of do that, but in doing that, they ended up, they ended up corrupting their own hearts. They ended up getting proud and cocky and arrogant. The, you know, the Bible is full of that sort of language for these people. Then you see, you see, you see that, that sort of pattern working out. People just being unable to walk with God, either getting stuck in the sin or, or thinking they were getting it right and then, and then ending up missing it in their hearts. And we, I, I think we could look around. I reckon you could look around and go, yeah, man, life is a lot like that. The world is a lot like that. We, I, like I look around and I, I feel like this is such a real story for me. I feel like this is, this is the story. We get so easily, there's a, if there is a God up there, we get so easily immersed in the world and we sort of contaminate ourselves and mess it up so we can't even dare look it up, at, up, up at him for what we're doing. And then, but then even when we do get it right and we think we're doing good things, we get so cocky and so arrogant that we miss him anyway. We lose sight of him. That is... Those two things, I would say, is where we're at in the world, massive, you know, massively speaking. We just can't see God. We can't walk with him. We can't get near him. Our heads have gotten too big. Or we've got too messed up. This is why Jesus is important. Jesus comes. Read the stories in the Gospels. Jesus comes, and he sees the people messed up in sin, like entangled up. Every second person you come across, Jesus, is, they're entangled up in sin. And Jesus says, Jesus says to him, I can forgive you and turn you around. And he raises them up, lifts these people up. Equally, Jesus sees people with the big heads. Bless them, it ends up being the Pharisees and the Sadducees, but I think they represent loads of us. He sees them with the big heads, and he brings them down and humbles them whenever he can. This is what Jesus does. And, and when we think about Jesus on the cross, and this is, the, this is where he brings us, this is where he brings life change. This is where he makes God visible. This is where he brings us to a point where we can connect with God, because at the cross, at the cross, he takes people like me and you and he forgives us our sins. But because of who he is, because it's God, because it's such a humble action, because it's such a beautiful, awesome thing that he does, our heads can't get blown up about it. He lifts us up and he humbles us at the same time. He gives us the perfect view of God. He allows us to connect with God. 
Nobody else can do this. Nobody else was perfect. Nobody else could, could give this much of themselves. Nobody else could move our hearts like this. And you kind of look at it and you kind of look at it on the one hand and you go, why do we need this story of Jesus? And you look at it on the other and you think, this is the only way. This is the only way anyone's going to see God. Because for thousands of years, they couldn't manage it. They couldn't manage to walk with it. It needed Jesus. It needed Jesus to move his hearts. It needed Jesus to, to humble us. And at the same time, raise us up and put us in that zone where we can connect and have a relationship with God. And if we, this is the story of salvation, I think, if we cling to that notion, if that's what we believe above everything else, if we hold on to that story of the cross higher than we hold everything else, then we can walk with him. And we don't get too puffed up. And we're not stooping so tangled up in sin. And if we are, we're walking with him and he's changing us every day. Only Jesus can do that. The last thing, the last thing we do is we bulk. We say, this is too intense. Even if, I, even if I go all the way down the line with you, even if I get to the point where I think, you know, I, you know, I think that he's God and I think that he's significant, it's just too intense. It asks too much of me. I reckon we think that a lot about this story. I reckon we balk a lot. I think a lot of people look at it and they're halfway interested or even involved and they go, man, but it's intense, isn't it? Look at the story. There's a guy dying on a cross. There's words like sacrifice and, 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 and salvation and sanctification, all this stuff. There's, there's the idea of becoming holy. Man, this is an intense story, isn't it? This asks a lot of me. Changes a lot in my life. And we go, Read, read with me a bit of this text. Forgive me, I've not got the, I'm not making a note of the verse. Um, in this, in this story that we've been looking at, Mark, Mark one, one to eleven. I've said in the last couple of weeks that it's one of those texts that shoots out right across the Bible. It speaks into the whole story, it gives us a picture of the whole story, everything that's happening. And in this moment, John the Baptist, I think, gives us a beautiful picture. A beautiful picture of an eternal reality for human beings, how human beings will feel about Jesus. An eternal uh, picture. John, when he writes in the book of Revelation, gives us, gives us another picture. It's, it's, a, it's a stunner. Have a look at this, Revelation chapter 5. He's speaking of, he's speaking of, when John sees this stuff, the Apostle John, he's seeing, he's seeing it's a vision, and he's, he's seeing the way the heavens are. That kind of thing. And he sees in this vision this search. So read this Revelation chapter 5. He sees this, this desperate search for all the beings in heaven. It lists all these different beings that kind of half blow your mind. It includes angels, which, which I can just about get my head around. And the angels are all looking for somebody. And the terminology that, that it uses is they're looking for somebody that can open the scrolls. They're looking for somebody who can make, who's, who's fit. And righteous enough and good enough and perfect enough to unpack these scrolls. I think something like to make sense, to judge this whole world, to make sense of this whole world. Somebody who is fit for that. And it's, it's, it's beautiful and it's, it's poetic. And in, and in this story, they're weeping and they're really sad because they can't find anybody who's fit to do this. this and it's like, it's, this is the search. This is the job of the whole of the whole of the heavens to find somebody who's fit to do this. And then there's a voice that comes out and says, hang on, I found somebody. It's the Lion of Judah, who we know as Jesus. 
and everybody sees that he's fit and, and the story goes in eternity present future all the angels look and they bow down and they worship forever because he's because he's worth it and he's awesome and they bow down in this picture here in mark mark's gospel john the baptist encounters jesus and it's it's lovely language that he uses he says uh, this was his message sorry i can't find the verse and if you pop the text up again after me comes not just not just one i've always read it as one after me comes the one after me comes the one more powerful than i the straps of whose sandals i am not worthy to stoop down and untie after me comes somebody more powerful than I, the straps of whose sandals I am not even worthy to untie. The slaves used to untie the sandals. And John looks at Jesus and says, I'm not, I am not worthy to come anywhere near you. What does he realize in this moment? The worth of Jesus. He looks at his life and he says, it's clear just on seeing this guy, Jesus, that nothing I do can ever be too much. All of eternity in front of me, no matter what I do, John the Baptist will go to his death quite quickly. Nothing I do will ever be enough for this guy. I'm never going to look at my life and feel like I've done too much. I'm always going to see this man, Jesus, and I'm always going to think he's worth it. That's what he shares with us. That's the insight I think he shares with us. So I think what we can say is there's going to be a point eternally, is what I would say to you, I would suggest, there's going to be a point in eternity future when we look at our lives and we go, Nothing was too much. Nothing I could have done would have been too much. He's worth it. The struggles, the difficulty is to forgive whoever it is. The sacrifice to my life, the cost of this Christianity thing, the intensity of this Christianity thing, the way it makes me look different, whatever, whatever it is. This is what he says. And this is the encouragement to us, to you, if you've got faith. It'll be worth it. You won't look back for a second and think, man, I, I give a bit much there. I really regret that I forgave so-and-so-and-so-and-so. I wish I could have hung on to some bitterness there. You'll look back, he says, and you'll say, this, this Jesus was worth it. So that's the talk. What do we do? We, let, we overlook him, we ignore him, we dip in and out. We bulk. But who Jesus is doesn't leave us there. If he's God, and he is, it changes everything. And we've got to jump in. Okay, so thank you for that, um, Ash. That was a great message. Bold claim that you make, saying that, um, you know, we need to make a decision. Like, who is Jesus? And if we make that decision, then obviously that affects our mindset, where our lifestyle choices go and everything do you want to talk a little bit about that and kind of you know because that's kind of where we started wasn't it? i think it's just that realization that jesus um it's easy it's really easy to look at the story and think that he just that he's a, he's a really nice guy you know that way and you can just toddle along with him and actually it's really helpful to know that i think it's really significant to know that he's he's more he disrupts stuff more than that he's more pivotal then he's nice i would say i think he tips you one way or the other if you mm. if you really dig into it if you really dig into his claims you can't just go as uh, as i referenced tim kelly you can't just go he's nice you don't end up with him in being nice 
and he doesn't leave you where you can just pick and choose from his teachings. He leaves you in a point where you've got to go. But he really said he was God. Loads, mm -hmm. you know, loads of people died. He was either he was either crazy, you know, or he's or he's God. And if he's God, we've got to got to jump in with him. So he, I would say, he's more pivotal than nice, and he tips us. If and I think that's, I reckon that's the that's the journey that we work out. If you go through it over time, eventually you get to the point where you go, I've got to go all in with this, or I've not. You know, I think that's how we work our salvation out. I think you've got to go, I'm in, because I recognize that he's God. And if he's, you know, it's so significant. If he's God, it's such a big claim. Mm. So if you he can't says, ignore that. You if can't he says he's God, or if we believe that he's God, what, so jumping in, what does that look, even look like? Jumping in. I think that looks like, it looks like digging around it. Good one. It looks like... <laughs> Sorry, that, that was off script. Yeah, it's all right. Um, <laughs> I, I think it looks like, it looks like the journey that the disciples had, mm. I think. It looks like um, there's an expression that goes, you walk in, uh, the disciples would have been familiar with, in that you walk in the dust of your rabbi. Mm. And it's the idea that they followed him so closely that they, that they, were, they got dusty off of him. Mm. And I think that idea in terms of discipleship and Christianity is that we, sorry, me and Boyd are just trying to stand <laughs> in the right place, that you follow him and you get, you're willing to get dusty. Right, and you you're not only willing to get dusty, but in following him so closely, you end up you end up walking in his footsteps and doing mm. doing what he does. So I think I think jumping in is I think jumping in is discipleship, probably. Mm. Yeah, which is and that's the other thing that's it's intense. Yeah, 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 yeah. And and you know, it is it intense. Looks it it, it isn't Christianity is intense. It is like when you flick. That wasn't an illustration that was planned. I don't know how helpful it actually is, but it is the idea that you fucking through on a night and you want to find the friends. You want to find something, I'm from the 90s, something that comfortable, and you end up seeing something that's going to need you to be immersed till about one o'clock in the morning. You go, mm. I'm not going to I'm not going to jump in. I'm going to have half an hour of this little mini series. Mm. In Christianity, I think, once you dig around it, you go, oh, man, I can't just, can't dip with this. Mm. If, if he's really God, if that's what it is, then, then I'm like, this is amazing. If yeah. he's really God, then... Man, I'm forgiven, and that's amazing. If he's really God, then uh, what Jesus did means I've got I've got actual hope. Yeah, I don't yeah. need to be that scared of this or that or the other. I can look to eternity and go, that's me. Mm. So yeah, it is. It's, it's massively game changing. Absolutely. I think. And in terms of the, so obviously, if you say uh, that he is God, but what's the proof? You know, obviously we know. Well, what what do you say the ultimate proof would be that Jesus is God? Like it wasn't, you know, like the so some of the people who claim to be messiahs but they weren't like what is the proof of that i think you'd say yeah, the resurrection mm. i think you'd go i think that's i think that was the point of the resurrection i think mm. you look at that and you and you go yes i can't explain that i can't there's no other way around that mm. moment than for me to say yeah yes that he's god he's different he's different than everybody else yeah. so i think yeah i'd go the res you can't get around the resurrection uh yeah and just the last thing and the last thing um it's more of a statement, really, and it's kind of, and this leans into a video that we're going to play. Um, that I find would uh, is quite helpful just to round off the talk. But just just the thought that Jesus died in his thirties um, by crucifixion. He he had no children. He um, had no kind of high flying job. He was, in, you know, you look at it quite simply. It was lived kind of like a simple life, but he spoke to people and made a difference within that community yeah but then he is the most if you look at 2020 now he's the most controversial influential person that's ever lived um on yeah. this earth you know we separate our dates by him we you know people in pop culture 
from Kanye West to Madonna, you know, it, speak about him in, in different ways. Um, we, we can't just ignore him, surely. I think we can't. I think, yeah, I think he leaves you at a point where you've got to go one Make way a decision. Or the other. Yeah. Thank you. Sorry for the hand, by the way. Um, that's the end of our service. Thank you for tuning in. Um, hopefully we'll see you again uh, next week, but it's been great to be here. Can't wait to see you all again when we're all together and worshiping Jesus together.